to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. Thank you for joining us. This again is Rick Wirtz, the founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where we encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers and, and try to engage dads in raising a godly generation and reinvigorate the church on the fathering front. One of the things we do in ministry is to come beside the church to uh, engage with a core group of dads and work to raise the bar for fathering. Uh, individually for those dads in the group, but then corporately in the church and then, uh, of course, beyond in the community. So I, I'm a firm believer that uh, at the core of many of the woes we face in society are dads not stepping up to be heroes in their children's eyes. So this is the uh, fourth in a, in a four-part series of how dads do become heroes. It points to one of the uh, more popular studies available on the website, faithfulfathering.org. Uh, click on Four Dads, and you can actually access video teaching of the study and uh, download a PDF that uh, covers uh, a lot more of the material that we're going to touch on, that we have touched on across this uh, podcast series. But this, uh, the fifth and final way dads become heroes uh, for, through this study in, in their children's eyes is commitment, uh, which I think is uh, certainly the single most uh, determinant factor uh, on the fathering journey, uh, and not just on a fathering journey, but uh, in, in, as a man, as a husband, and as a father. Uh, commitment to uh, stay the course has everything to do with uh, our ability to uh, proceed as a faithful father. So in the studio with us today is uh, Pastor Ruben uh, Villarreal, and he's going to join us here. And uh, Ruben, thank you again for being a part of this podcast. No, th- thank you for inviting me, and I'm uh, like I said earlier, I'm really enjoying it. Well, uh, are are you a study of manhood? Have you ever uh, are a study of manhood or a study of fathering? Well, I, you know, I, I'm a study of people. And so I, I'm, I'm constantly looking at people and uh, wanting to learn and, uh, from the good and, and the bad, you know. And uh, and I, now that I am a father, uh, I told you earlier, I'm, I'm an old young father, right? You know, I'm, I'm uh, 46 and I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old and one on the way. Um, you know, I, I'm paying more attention to fathers. Um, someone years ago told me, uh, they're like, you know, Pastor Ruben, you, you have that ministry of being a father figure for a lot of people. And, um, uh, you know, throughout the years, I've, I've taken a lot of uh, young men under, under my wings, uh, uh, you know, my, my nephews, um, uh, their friends and classmates, because they all um, uh, run a private school at our church. And, um, and so I try and study uh, men that I admire, as, as fathers, like, and, and then at the same time learn from um, from the mistakes that I've seen mm. in, in fathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love one of the studies I enjoy, uh, Robert Lewis is what he, he wrote down, with two daughters, you're not going to be on this track, but maybe your, maybe your uh, sister's husband right. did, their brother-in-law, that uh, he wrote a book called Raising a Modern Day Knight, and in that he really helps uh, a dad uh, be beside his son because you know we we grew up with that John Wayne image of a man and you know be tough uh, you know uh, have a chew between your cheek and gum and yeah 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 and almost uh, the Lone Ranger right you know like be on your own you don't need anyone you know right. you just, uh, yeah Tonto though I mean that's uh, yeah the Lone Ranger dad is, has a big target on his back for the devil yeah. to take him out but uh, I think you know in in Scripture there are two prototypes for uh, for manhood one is the first Adam right. that obviously fell short. Uh, you know, he was given three jobs. You know, he was given a, a, a work to do, tend the garden, a woman to love, and uh, and a will to obey. 
and he dropped the ball on all three of those, you know, and then, uh, and then the second Adam, as uh, Paul refers to him in 1 Corinthians, is Jesus the Christ. And of course, his work to do was to live the sinless life, and, and uh, uh, his woman to love was the church, to build the church. That, that was what uh, Paul refers to in Ephesians 5, is we're to love our wives as Christ loves and cares for the church. Right. And a will to obey, which of course he did all the way to the point of death, even even death on the cross. So uh, when you when you think about studying manhood, uh, those two atoms pretty well cover the spectrum. Right. Yeah, I tell the, the church all the time. You know, when we talk about Jesus loving the church and that men we represent, husbands we represent Jesus, our wives represent the church, and we need to love them the way um, Jesus loved loved the church. And I say Jesus loved the church so much that one. He came and founded the church. Two, he died for the church. Jesus loves the church so much that right now he's sitting at the right-hand side of the Father advocating the church for the church. And one day Jesus will return for the church. And so uh, we see that Jesus really loves the church. And so we should uh, really love our wives the way Jesus loves the church. Exactly. I think it, uh, when, I, when I realized that I was supposed to die for my wife, Everything else pretty well falls into <laughs> in in place, you know. Right. You understand that uh, you know this is where we're at. This is our role right. is to love and, and sacrificially and selflessly, right. which is not natural, is it? Right. Yeah, and it's, it's and it's and it's not a feeling. It's not right? a if feeling. we're commanded to to love, then it's not a feeling. It's not butterflies. It's not well. I feel like it today. I don't feel like it. You know, none of that matters. Right. It, it's what are you doing and how consistently are you doing it. You know, one thing I and, and you share this as a uh, as a pastor as well as a dad and a husband, but uh, I I let other gods get in the way. Mm-hmm. You know, we I had two prayers when I left home. Uh, one was that I'd be blessed with a happy, healthful marriage and family that I didn't know growing up, and the other is that I'd live somewhere above the poverty line that we've grown up well below. Right. And uh, through a, a bless, I was blessed to get an education, get a good job, and. Uh, and hit the ground running and, and accepted a bunch of promotions. I was getting above that poverty line. I focused right. on that, but realized that uh, I'd put other gods forward. And you mm-hmm. know, he, he makes it pretty clear. I think it's Exodus uh, twenty uh, three, that twenty verse three, that he says, "You shall have no gods, no gods before, before me." me. Right, and uh, that's a wake up call, isn't it? Uh, right. Did, did you do you remember had that in your life? Did you ever try to put something before God? Um, no, but we do, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, you sometimes we do things that we don't do it on purpose, mm-hmm. uh, but but we do sometimes. You know, it could be entertainment, right? right. You know, where we're spending way more time uh, watching a screen than we are um, trying to spend time with the Lord. Rather, that's a prayer or going to church or um, reading reading the scriptures. Um, and so, oftentimes, we just have to check ourselves. Uh, that's how I feel. I feel like I have to check myself in that. And ask myself, am I putting things um, mm. before God, you know, and, um, and and then make those make those course adjust adjustments, right. you know, like the prodigal son, come to myself and you know repent and, and then get on the right course with my father. Yeah, one of the ways I one of the things I catch myself at, I mean, years ago, I'm better at it, much better now, because I'm, I'm a lot older. But uh, uh, I would worship the fact that I had a nice, nice house, right, and a right. nice car, right. I realized, what are you worshiping? You know, right. what did God say? And right. uh, did he really mean it? Well, yes, he did. <laughs> you know, it's only the devil that says, uh, if God did God did God really say that this was the tree you're not supposed to eat from? Or right. 
<laughs> you know, and, and so when I had those questions start to percolate up, I realized, you know, what am I committed to? Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, so that, uh, so I, you know, realizing that uh, we have to keep God at number one. He right. is, uh, he's who we're, he's the only one worthy of our worship. Yeah, when you can, uh, you know, Romans 10, 9 says, if you would confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, you, you shall be saved. To confess Jesus is Lord is to say, hey, he's the owner. I mean, it literally, that's what it means, that he's the owner and we're his servants, or you could even go so far as to say we're his slaves. You know, we belong to him. And, um, and he purchased us at a high price, you know, uh, with his blood. And so um, saying, you know, that I'm a Christian, that, that's not enough. You know, Jesus is Lord is that he is, I'm committed to him and everything else, you know, is, is second. But uh, Jesus said this, um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness mm -hmm. and all these things shall be added to you. When we are committed to the Lord, everything else will fall into place. You'll be a better husband, you'll be a better father, uh, you'll you be a better brother, you'll be a better worker, supervisor, whatever it is. Well said, and that's so. And then the next step, of course, is as a husband, uh, we're charged to love as Christ loves yes. the church. And I, you, you mentioned that it's not a feeling. You know, right. a lot of kids say it's for better or worse, <laughs> richer or poorer. And it helps. Right? Man, they don't even do the in so many weddings. They don't even do the those vows anymore. You know, like they'll just you know the, they'll write their own vows and they don't mention any of those things. You well, know? well, the point is though that when you're when you're in your twenties or thirties, yeah. you think you're bulletproof and you think nothing mm -hmm. is going to get worse. It isn't going to be worse. right. It, you know, it isn't going to be poor. It's, it's not going to happen to me. Everything's going to be up. up you know, everything's going to continue on right. the upward slope. And uh, I think it's important to uh, embrace the fact that. Uh, as we, uh, you know, that tingle, I think it's Gary Chapman in his uh, the, the Five Love Languages, right. you know, he says, you know, that, that tingly feeling of love that you have, you know, right after you're married, he says, that might last two weeks, that might last two years. Right. But at some point, you have to determine that uh, you are, uh, you have in, to intentionally make the decision that you are going to love right. your bride as Christ loves the church. Right. It's a verb. Not the man. Right, right. You, uh, now, you're at five years of marriage. You might still be in that tingly feeling. Right, right. right. With two girls in the home, I don't know about that. Well, uh, I, I, I think at my age, I have a better understanding of it, right? You know, like, uh, probably if I've gotten married uh, in my 20s, uh, maybe it would be like, oh, you know, that 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 passion, right, is how some people call it, that tingly feeling, that, that passion, you know, is, is the most important thing. But I'll never forget, you know, one of the wisest things uh, a friend of mine, a childhood friend of mine grew up with me at church told me, he got married before I did, and um, he told me um, one day, he told me, you know, he was, I just looked around and he was, I knew I was ready to get married. He was, I looked around and I said, who's, who's the, the, the coolest person I know? Who's the person that I'm willing to spend the rest of my life with? He was, and that's who I married. And he's, he's like, I put aside the feelings, I put the tingly feelings, I put aside, you know, the looks, I put aside, you know, money and all those things. And it was just like, who, who do I see myself growing old with? And, and, and that really hit me, you know, and, 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 uh, and Nayeli and I, we were, we were good friends for, for a long time. And people used to tell me like, why don't you uh, date Nayeli? I'm like, I'm not going to date Nayeli, she's my friend, you know, like, and um, uh, we were growing up with, you know, in churches. Younger than I am, but anyways, we were growing up in church, and I was like, I, I just, and then eventually, one, I don't know how we started dating, and then all of a sudden, we were, we, were, we got married, <laughs> you know. But uh, so I, I'm glad that I was able to uh, bypass that whole, you know.
um, dependent, right? Where we depend, a lot of times I think people depend too much on that feeling, and then you don't have that feeling, and now marriage is, is difficult. Right, right, and that yeah, I think the, the it's not that the feeling doesn't exist. It's just right. the feeling isn't the dominant. Uh, it's not controlling where you're going exactly. in the relationship, right? It, that, exactly, I can put it in better right. words. You you have to have to navigate through that, uh, and uh, I think that's what Christ is saying: is as we learn to love, you know, that's a responsibility we have as men is to uh, learn how to love, and uh, I think that's an ongoing journey. I can share that you know after 41 years of marriage. I love my bride more today than right. I did when we married because I didn't have a clue what love was right. as a 22-year-old. You know, and I, I say that even after five years of marriage. Like, like I really believe I love my wife um, today more than the day we said I do. Sure. Um, you know, and, um, I, 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 and I think I probably have more passion for her today than, than I did five years ago. Amen. Well, that, uh, that means you're on the right track now. Uh, what practices uh, do your kids need to see as, as you... Uh, uh, commit to your role as a father? What do you think they need to see in you? Um, I, I really believe they need to see that um, that my wife and I take our faith seriously, mm-hmm. um, our faith in Jesus, that, uh, you know, for us, uh, not just, you know, whether I was a pastor or not, I don't think it, it should matter. Like, you know, church, church, scriptures, prayer should be, um, you know, hallmarks in our life. They should be pillars in, in our life that our daughters know. Like, yeah, well, we, as a family, we go to church, you know, we pray. Uh, we take time to read, you know, the Bible or study the Bible. Um, or uh, uh, it, it, I, I think that they need to see that in, in our lives, especially as they get older, um, so that they they will know. Eventually, it will, eventually, I, I you know will not be their parents' faith; it will be their faith. Right. Um, but if they see it in our lives consistently, and and they follow that same way of serving the Lord. Then, then I, I will call myself a success. I hope uh, I hope you hear that, dads that are listening, because the closest thing that we have in relationship uh, to Jesus the Christ in the physical is our relationship in marriage. Yes, and and that's why he says love as Christ loves the church, because that's the uh, we're emulating that relationship. And when kids see that day in day out, then they'll catch what you have. You know, right. that's what. A, you know, that's a challenge so often. Dads, you know, we may uh, lead the way to church. We may uh, do church. may even do church on Wednesday evenings. Right. We may lead Sunday school. But Monday through uh, Friday, right. we're busting it trying to be successful in the world. Right. So what do you think the kids are going to catch? The, the drive to be successful or you're playing faithful at church? Right. right. You know, at, yeah, you know, and I think a big deal as well is something that I'm observing um, it hasn't necessarily happened in my life yet, but I'm observing in others is uh, earlier, you know, we talked about, you know, our, you know, looking at the talents in our kids and sports and all that type of stuff. And then I see so many uh, men today where their kid has a talent in baseball or talent, and man, they'll just totally put church aside um, because, you know, there's select ball, there's tournaments and this series and that series and, and what have you. And, and I ask myself, what, what are you telling your kid that is a priority in your life, sports or God, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and, and what will be the consequences down the road? Well, I'm, I'm one of those. My son played 100 plus ball games a year. Not that we ever compromised our faith. We didn't because if we didn't go to church, we, uh, we'd spend time in prayer. But I, it can definitely, I mean, if you're, tri- if you're driving your kids to be successful, then that's what they're going to catch is that uh, religion of success, right? Right. Uh, but if you're driving them to be faithful with the gifts they've been given 
to glorify God through those gifts, and that's a different dimension. And uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, demeaning anything. Uh, there isn't one right way to do it. Right. The important things, like you said, is to make sure that God is at the center right. of whatever you're doing. Right. And uh, that's uh, that's a challenge right? because that's what, of course, why we don't call it successful fathering. We right. call it faithful fathering because right. <laughs> as soon as you think you're successful in this stuff again, the Lord will yeah. knock you down. And uh, just say, remember who's who's really in control, right? Uh, but that's uh, but that, uh, that's that's one of the challenges as we uh, see our kids mature is how how do we encourage them? Are they are they doing this because they they uh, uh, want the, the glory of the moment mm-hmm. as a star athlete, or are they doing this to uh, to honor the gifts that they've been given to glorify God? process and we see that different uh, you know that difference in certain athletes uh, on a bigger stage right you know the professional athletes uh, uh, Tim Tebow comes to mind you know as one athlete that always uh, kept his faith very mm-hmm. uh, very much visible on his journey and he uh, had a heck of a platform as a result of that and there's and there's more of those out there than, uh, than you think sometimes yeah. but uh, the, the charge is though to understand that uh, it, it is through the home and through the marriage relationship that we uh, we show that commitment right and, and uh, reflect that relationship right. and, and being committed to to pointing our kids to Christ right you know, you're going on a tournament like you said making that time hey we're gonna pray you know we, we didn't go to church but we're gonna pray um, just constantly being committed to we're, we're pointing our lives in, in to a direction, and that direction is, is toward the sun. The exactly, sun. exactly. When we when we lay out the uh, dimensions of faithful fathering, we say you prioritize your physical presence. Why? Because our heavenly Father sent His Son to be physically mm-hmm. present among us. And if it was important for Him to be physically present among us, then as dads, we should prioritize our physical presence in the home and with our right. in our kids' activities. To engage emotionally, Jesus sent the counselor right. to engage with the disciples after he returned home to his father. And uh, again, if he thought it important enough to send a counselor to disciples mm-hmm. before 150 cable TV channels and cell phones <laughs> and everything else, then uh, dads ought to focus on being engaged emotionally with their kids right. and, uh, and, and exemplify that emotional engagement in marriage. Right. And then finally, of course, God gives us his word, the Bible, to uh, lead us spiritually uh, as our father. And uh, so dads are to lead the way spiritually by right. example. And uh, that example is through loving his wife as Christ loves the church and, uh, and reflecting that relationship in everything that he does. Right. So emulating the heavenly father is, uh, is one of the most important things we can do as his representative in the home. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Any, uh, I know you saw your dad as a pastor, uh, Emily. You know, he was uh, a key uh, spiritual figure, spiritual leader in the home, obviously, uh, or at least in, in the church. I don't know, sometimes when you get home, yeah. you're worn out, right? Right, right. Yeah. How, did, how did he prioritize that coming in uh, as he pastored the church and then also had the pastor at home? Well, um, I just had the blessing of, of being raised by, by two God fearing you know, both my parents were God-fearing, right? Um, two God-fearing people, and so, um, it, it, uh, you know, I'm not saying like we had Bible studies and that type of thing. You know, Bible studies and worship going on at home, but it was 
there was a, a, a consistency, you know, like it wasn't like he's coming home and they're, you know, then drinking, you know, getting drunk in front of us or, or you know, or what have you. It wasn't like that it was just living out and, you know, to the best of their ability, living out um, their faith. But but it was just, you know, there was a big difference from my house to the majority of my friends mm-hmm. um, who, who didn't go to church. Right. Who didn't who, their families didn't serve the Lord. Like if you went to their home and you came to my house. It was a big difference. And I think that's a part of the reason why a lot of them like to spend time at, at my house, just because it was a very different um environment mm-hmm. that's a, that's a great way to put it and i i just i just want every dad to know you don't have to pastor a church to be a pastor in your home right you are your patio right one of the one of the roles dad has is right. to be the priest in the home right and so how we live that out has everything to do with our commitment right. to be a, a study of the, of the father right i say that at church all the time i, I tell the men at church ministry starts at home um that goes for me that goes for everybody ministry starts at home and then I tell them all the time, I'm like, you're the pastor at, at your house. Like, the odds are in our church is a fairly long, con- fairly large congregation. The odds are I'm probably never going to go to your house. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the pastor there. Uh, um, you're the pastor there. And, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned in one of my uh, teachings that the most important message that I preach isn't Sundays at 1600 Pasadena Boulevard. It's every day in my house um, because... There, they know if I'm a fraud or not, right? There, they're going to know, like, you know, hey, dad is real or he's not. He's a fraud or he's a hypocrite. Or they're going to know. The church, I mean, I can fool the church. You know, pastors do it all the time, you know, living double lives. Um, you can fool the people. And you're a great speaker. You're a great teacher. And, um, but the message you preach at home um, with your words, with your actions, with your consistency, uh, with your love, with your commitments, with all the things that we've spoken about, that that's a, that's the a more important. You message. mean they catch what we've got? They don't always do what they should. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's a, that's our job as dads is right. to emulate that heavenly Father day in yes. day out as we uh, go forward. And uh, and uh, when you when you are cognizant of pointing the way to Jesus the Christ, then you can see it in your kids' eyes. Can't yes. You? Yes. And they when they walk up and put a big hug on you when they uh, right. when you see that welcome home when you see them respond at uh, pray at the, right. at the dinner table yes. then you know you're doing some things right right yeah and, and we you know even at their age as young as they are we, we teach them to pray for us um, you know I'll, I'll, I'll tell them, pray for me you know and, and I'll guide them through prayer so they'll they'll repeat words um, if they're sick um, whatever it is sniffles whatever let me pray for you and um, and so um, I will teach them, you know, say, repeat with me, say, Jesus loves me or Jesus loves you, you know, or in, in, uh, even in Spanish, we try and teach our kids uh, Spanish. And so I'll teach them uh, verses or just little portions of, of scripture in Spanish um, so they can practice their Spanish. And, and so it's, it's another way that, that we point them to Christ. Well, that's another dimension of commitment, too, is praying, is mm-hmm. teaching, not only praying for our kids, but then teaching them how to pray and that, that this is part of their personal relationship with Jesus as well, that you're in communion with him right. in the midst of prayer. And then I use that prayer later in life as part of a blessing over the kids at certain ages, at certain times, uh, markers in their on their journey to mm-hmm. womanhood or to manhood. Right. And uh, culminating all the way to their wedding, where I had the opportunity to bless uh, the newly married couple, and, uh, and incorporated part of the original prayer that I prayed for them when they were babies. Right. So those are all the things that kind of plant the seeds and uh, get our children off on that course. So, dance it is all about commitment as a single biggest determinant on uh, 
on your role to being a faithful father. That's that commitment to your marriage. You know, uh, invest in that relationship. Uh, be sure the marriage always, uh, the children rotate around the marriage. We need to take those weekends off to uh, reinvigorate the marriage, to uh, uh, get away for a time periodically, maybe at least a couple of times a year, do a right. marriage retreat, those types of things. But then also commit to uh, being a study, uh, mm-hmm. being the husband you're called to be, being the father you're called to be. And uh, some of those opportunities are on uh, faithfulfathering.org. That's our website where you can access studies for dads. And uh, this podcast, we're wrapping up a discussion around one of the more popular studies, Dads Becoming Heroes. And uh, that is that uh, you understand nurturance, you understand involvement and awareness, consistency in your children's lives, and then commitment to be the dad you're called to be, the dad your kids need to see. So, Ruben, thank you again so much for being here with us, and thank you for sharing your insights. Yes, sir. Thank you, and I enjoyed my time. God bless Godspeed, and uh, join us again on future podcasts. And be sure to check our library out as well, a podcast that we have there uh, on your favorite platform. God bless Godspeed. Thank you.